It was like your girlfriend and your neighbor were in cahoots. Yeah, the it's the same neighbor who's on my roof right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope he can't hear us. Mr. Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. But yeah, he uh, <laughs> he stuck me with this dog, this adorable little puppy, and the I actually saw pictures of her in like peak puppyhood the other day, and I was like. Oh yeah, this is this is how I got. This is into how this. I ended up with yeah. Yeah, the and but now she's like a full on uh, full on dog with the strength of a young orangutan, <laughs> and the um, it she always wakes me up in the morning with the arm bar where she just puts her her like forearm across my throat, mm-hmm. and it's like fuck you, I'm I'm waking up and I'm dying. This is why I always got small dogs that I yeah. could control. Yeah, the. I think she's a good size for me. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah. it's still, you know, when we're running and she's like full on sled dogging. Like oh, my just, God. Yeah. The, um, all right. We uh, we are currently under the a, an austerity program where um, all of our edits for this podcast are being shipped directly to uh, the resistance fighters in Ukraine. So we're not doing any edits. So we're just going to do a fucking smash right in cold intro. I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to do the, my best with your bio. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to see what your best of my bio looks like. It's, I mean, the, I, I had my friend Ben on the other day and I fucking butchered every single, uh, every single aspect of it. So, but I, um, I, I pride myself on doing almost no prep for these. So it's just off the top of my head. Our friendship uh, is preparation enough. <laughs> yeah. We've, <laughs> the, we've, we've put in the work. The, um, joining us today, uh, is Renee Watt. Renee Watt is a, uh, recovering comedian, right? A um, a psychic, a podcaster, and a good witch, mm-hmm. and professional writer of horoscopes. Okay, wow. Yeah. The, okay, <laughs> I missed probably the most important part. That's okay. The um, I guess it's because I'm. Well, I mean, this is one of the things I want to talk about. Is I I'm sort of like willfully obtuse when it comes to horoscopes and anything outside of like the material world uh-huh. the although the I, this weird bombshell i just met a woman who i really like and the and then we were sort when we were sort of talking getting to know each other she's really into horoscopes and i was like oh it's a bunch of bullshit and she was like really because this says that we're great for each other and i was like like i said horoscopes are all true <laughs> and you should invest everything in them so, I mean, the thing about horoscopes is it's totally different to read a horoscope than it is to, like, have your natal chart read. Because even, like, as someone who writes horoscopes, when I am writing when I'm writing for a, a particular sign, I might have ideas that come through that would be really specific to a short, like, a small group of people. And I have to kind of generalize what I'm saying so that it can be relatable for like all cancers or all Virgos and, you know, but when I'm looking at a natal chart, it is exactly where all of the planets were placed at the time that someone was born. And there's like this crazy, it's just like a lot of like formulas and looking at numbers and angles and calculations and, But when you do someone's natal chart, it gets way more detailed about like behavioral patterns or like how someone is with money or what their relationships are like. 
And honestly, like, it's a tool for me, but when I am giving readings, sometimes I'll say something where people are just like, holy shit, how do you know that? And I'm like, I don't know, because it's all computer simulation, and I just, like, <laughs> know the codes. The uh, it, This is really fascinating to me. So the so basically, you're, like, a, a natal chart is sort of like a fingerprint, The and then... Um, to do a to do a horoscope it's more a you're describing whatever yeah i just had 10, a big 000. facial reaction when you said fingerprint because that's what i tell people huh i say it's like the universe is putting an energy fingerprint on you when you're born so i've never heard anyone else refer to it as that so that's why my face maybe, contorted maybe i'm it. psychic maybe, maybe you <laughs> are maybe you are mishka the i do want to talk about this though because i the i you know this um you know, this has been part of our um, part of our friendship, part part of our relationship, especially in the last couple of years, is um, me being deep in fucking trouble um, in my head and seeking out your services mm-hmm. as a psychic, um, which is something that I, you know, I absolutely like. Still, even now, totally don't believe in. <laughs> yeah. the, but it's fascinating to me to hear you talk about um, astrology in terms of. Um, formulas and numbers and datas and and computer projections because the because I mean what you're talking about is is sort of like um, like uh, risk calculations like right. somebody insur- in insurance would do the and and also just my own idiot skepticism of like oh yeah no I know that um, you know the moon is the this massive celestial body that, yeah. that, you know, goes around the earth that, that dicks dictates, um, the movement of the tides, uh, you know, um, uh, cyclical feeding and breeding of animals, the right. fertility, all these things, but, and if, but we're water. We're so, so much yeah, of our body and, is water and the tides are freaking out when there's a full moon. <laughs> and, and so why would any of that affect how I think or feel? Right. You know, it's like the, if I approach it just as, you know, from like hard science, my, um, my theories unravel really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that my industry is riddled with bullshit. Like, it's a problem. And I think that, like, what's nice about astrology is the sort of, like, the fact that I'm using data. But with that being said, I also do tarot readings and I do psychic readings. And, like, I think I've had conversations with aliens. So it's like, I'm all, I'm all into, like, the weird woo shit. But I will say that, like, astrology is very fascinating because I've seen some truly, like, intense predictions come to fruition. Like, for instance, 2020, I think it was in January, Pluto, which represents basically, like, death and destruction, aligned with Saturn, which rules our structures and basically how, like, society holds together. And then that's basically like when COVID started. And then we've had um, this year, we had Pluto's return, like the United States Pluto return. So basically, like when you have a birthday, you have your solar return. And that same sort of theory applies to all the different planets. And so like you'll never see your Pluto return because you're not going to live to be like 200 and whatever, however many years. How dare you? 
I mean, maybe through reincarnation, but your physical form will not be as it is now. I never would. I would never want that. Well, on the day of the United States Pluto return was the day that Russia attacked the Ukraine. And now we're like on the brink of World War Three. So there's just like very interesting parallels between the so much of it, too, is like what. Um, what you see, what you choose to see, what, what you choose not to see the, you know, the, um, I did a, I did a speech once at the national arts club, which a a dear friend of mine still resents me for because he had to uh, wear a blazer in order to attend it. I mean, that's pretty fucking rude. (laughs) The, um, and coming from me too, (laughs) so hypocritical. I should have worn a blazer with no shirt. The, um, but one of the things that I talked about is that, you know, like, it's all a question of perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're buying Coke on the street and you get mostly baby aspirin, you're like, motherfucker, I got ripped off. Yeah. But that's why I always if, like pills. Do what you're getting. <laughs> but if you're looking for baby aspirin, you if got, fu- you got fucking hooked up. I did. You know, yeah. <laughs> I've gotten hooked up on, on baby the aspirin mean before. streets of San Francisco, getting arrested yeah. for buying baby aspirin in a cheetah coat and a red mini skirt. Yeah. Aspirin and uh, baby laxative, all kinds of baby stuff. Right. Uh, but it, I'm, <laughs> You know, the after we did the tarot reading, yeah. I sort of got into that um, and where I actually like bought a tarot deck and a couple of books that I haven't opened because that's how I operate. I get the, it. Um, but with my writing workshop last year, the I as yeah, I did writing exercises with them every day and the and I, I try to make those exercises both sort of like, you, you know, uh, cerebral and analytical and also sort of like emotional and deeply felt like you're trying to, um, you're trying to make something resonate. You're trying to knock something loose. Right. And the, I randomly grabbed the tarot deck yes. and I was like, okay, I'm going to flip the cards until you say, say stop. And then I'm going to give you a card and the, I'm not going to do any kind of reading. You're just going to look at the card. You're just going to see the card. And then what does that stir up? In yeah. You? And they fucking went bonkers. The, everybody loved it. And the, so I don't know, you know, I, you're, you're a dear friend and I love you so much. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you here to do this was so I can, we can talk about all the ways in which I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> the, but the, but there is something to, um, people looking for meaning seeing those symbols Mm -hmm. and then it's spurring something or you know the um i always go back to the x-files thing of like we want to you know i want want to to believe yeah Mm -hmm. because the there is um there is something in each of us as human beings where when you hear a noise you're not like oh that's a tree or that's a twig or whatever right that's a fucking ghost i mean i think that like a lot of the magic that exists within the universe, which includes like synchronicity or manifestation or psychic ability. I think a lot of that, like it's contingent on how receptive you are to it. And so if you're a person who sees a hummingbird and was like, thinks that's a nice hummingbird, then that's your relationship to reality. For me, if I see a hummingbird, I'm like, Oh my God, it's my grandma. She's here to say hello. And like, okay, no, that's a hummingbird, but like, it's nice. It feels, it feels like I'm keeping that connection alive. It feels like, um, there's a little bit more meaning behind what would 
kind of be otherwise a mundane sort of just like minuscule life moment. Um, And so I think if anything, like it can help you with just sort of like feeling grateful and seeing beauty, especially because everything is so fucked up. So, yeah, (laughs) but I mean, I have a question for you because I mean, hasn't there ever been a time in your life when no one was giving away any discernible social or physical cues, but you knew something was wrong with them? Yeah. I mean, all the time. That's intuition, I think. But where do you think that comes from? You know, I mean off the top of my head, I would, I would probably make some argument about sort of like, you know, evolution and instinct and survival and stuff like that. You know, that there's the, um, you know, there's the human part of our, or there's the intellect, the, the frontal cortex where you're thinking about, I'm thinking about this synthesizer and analog versus digital modeling and Mm -hmm. like, you know, the, um, but then there's also a thing where, um, if I play the right frequency on that synthesizer, all the hair on the back of my neck will stand up and I don't know yeah. why. And maybe it's because it's triggering a, um, something that's deeply, deeply, pro- you know, programmed much deeper in my brain and instinctual thing that mm-hmm. when we hear that sound, that's, that was the sound that this predator made or, you know, that, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. The, so, um, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think it's mutually exclusive from intuition though. Yeah. The, one one of the things I, you know, I have to say, and you know, when you talk about sort of staying open and seeing beauty and stuff, the, um, I, my mother lives down the street. You met my mom. Uh, mm-hmm. the, she and I are in this constant, uh, fucking battle where she, um, uh, she's an optimist. She's, mm-hmm. you know, sort of an eternal optimist. She, she wakes up every morning, like, wow, here we go. You know, another, a day like no other. Yeah. And I, I've been trying my whole life to, to break her, to, <laughs> to, to, to put an end to that foolish optimism. And I was, and I think this happened like sometime last year where the, um, I can't remember if she had loaned somebody money or she had given money to somebody. And I was like, you know, fucking, why would you do that? Like people are shitty. Like, you know, they're, they're scam artists and you need to like, you know, protect yourself and stuff like that. And she was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't feel the same way. And so I tried to trying to prove her wrong, trying to prove myself right. And I was sort of like running the numbers. And then I was like, by her being being open and being optimistic and believing in people and believing in, in sort of the best side of humanity, mm-hmm. um, she's opening up herself up to being victimized by all these scam artists. Yeah. Me, by being cynical and um, trying to protect myself, I'm turning the entire world into scam artists. Yeah. I was going to say, don't you think that closes you off to like... Everything. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it, it sucks to do these thought experiments where I'm like, I'll show you mom, (laughs) you know, and then to, to do the worth, the work to run the numbers, to do the projections, to use the formulas and, uh, and I, 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 so I defeat that cynicism at every turn and then, but it's like, um, memento or something where I wake up, you know, every day the next morning being like, oh, fuck you all. You know, I can't, I can't carry it from one day to the next. I mean, I feel like with your mom, it's probably like in a lot of ways rooted in just being protective. 
But I feel like from her disposition, just because I'm not, I'm not outrageously optimistic, but I lean more towards that disposition. And I've been fucked over before too. And my guess is if she does get fucked over, she just ends up feeling sorry for the people who fuck her over. Yeah. The empathy is a fucking terrible thing, man. I, I wonder like if people know what they're, what they're actually doing when we preach empathy, because now that I've actually, now that I actually have empathy for people and the, um, and I'm able to sort of think about what other people are going through. Like I, I can't make a good enemy anymore that like when people hurt me, I'm just like, Oh, well I know you had a really like fucked up childhood and that your parents didn't parent you. And that like, you know, you really had no, neither, neither guidance nor support as a child. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, you hosed me for 40 bucks, but like, fuck it. You know, the, yeah, I think it's just about like, make like I don't know like having the ability to make that sort of like observation but knowing when it's time to just like set a fucking boundary yeah yeah and it's and there's one I think there's one thing you know to have empathy for people and another thing to like to to get used and then to sign up for it again yeah exactly if someone like really does me wrong I'm fucking out (laughs) I am out I'm done I don't I don't try to smooth things over, you yeah. know, cause it's like, I've made that mistake, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm in my thirties now and I need to be smarter than that. I think the twenties are for forgiving people too much. Well, I don't think I did that at all in my twenties. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I'm tr- like forgiving people now in my forties is maybe. that like the, I'm doing everything in reverse. The, um, that is one of the things I, I, I really respect about you because I, I do think that your, um, uh, not a totally positive, not a blindly positive person, but that, but that you are positive. You, you work to keep yourself positive, but also like there's a, there's a line and that when people cross that line, the the gates come down. Yeah. I mean, in my industry, we call it toxic positivity. Yeah. And it's like, it's a real problem with tarot readers and people who call themselves light workers because like a lot of the work that I do with people is like, I mean, I'm sure you could vouch for this. It's I'll be like, this is why you're fucking up. This is like your fucked up pattern. This is your strength. This is your, you know what I mean? Yeah. But a lot of people who are too positive are just sort of like, yeah, keep having faith, keep believing in your, you know, keep believing in the light and it'll come when it's like, no dude, like it's going to fucking suck for a minute until you figure it out and find your strength and figure out how to break away from like, how you're screwing yourself, whether it's like toxic people or, you know, fears, fears of success or feel fears of failure or whatever someone's going through. And it is across the board all the time in my readings. Um, but it doesn't help to shine so much light on it that you can't see it. Yeah. The, um, I mean, it's, you know, in, in the recovery world, it's, it, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, that, you know, this, that it's full of fucking fakes and charlatans and the, you know, uh, 22 year old life coaches and, you know, shit like that where it's like, you're just, you're a grifter and you're Mm -hmm. a grifter. Who's you're a profiteer. You're, you're preying on emotional catastrophes. You're preying on like the weakest people who have suffered the most. Yeah. Yeah, drug dealers do that shit too when they hang out outside of the NA meeting and turn, you know, people who snort pills into 
people who slam, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I've been vocal. I've been open to about the fact that like I have addiction in my past. And I think we've both kind of talked about before, like how it's just like recovery is such a weird thing to navigate. That's why I, like I always stayed away from the 12 step programs because mostly because I had I felt like it reminded me of church too much and I wasn't into that. Do you want to talk a little bit about your path, about um, your uh, what you got into, how mm-hmm. you got out of it, all that stuff? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it happened. I mean, like it started, I would say in my early 20s, I was in I was going to ASU and I was a dance major and I was with my boyfriend who I who I had been with since I was 18 and he started um giving me painkillers and like I I don't want to sound like a victim here I was always down to get fucked up you know what I mean like before I met him and um but I never I never gravitated towards anything with frequency like it was always just like occasional and I I just kept having it handed to me and I was like yeah cool whatever like I I felt like if I took like some oxy and went to dance class I was like so flexible and I could like fuck my body up because I didn't feel anything and so I felt like I was um like somehow improving as an athlete because I wasn't like listening to signals of pain that my body was giving me I was absolutely a better musician when I was shit-faced and Mm -hmm. I, I was not listening to single signals of rhythm (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Which is like probably like in retrospect, we both thought we were better than we were. And other everyone else was like, whoa, that person's really fucked up. But they like it's like because like when you get into addiction, all of your self-awareness is gone. And so like I actually did not it did not even register with me that like I was becoming addicted to anything. I um until one weekend, like my boyfriend was like, we're not going to do any. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, why am I shivering? Like, I feel like I have the flu. And I was like having withdrawal symptoms. And he told me, he was like, you're withdrawing. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, And then for, you know, it just kind of snowballed. There would be breaks, but like, like we always ended up doing oxy. Like it just always ended up coming, coming back into our lives. And like, um, eventually like we moved to san francisco stayed out there for three years lots of shit happened we ended up like fucking up our lives and getting so hooked on drugs that like we moved in with my parents in phoenix and like that's when we thought it was a good time to try shooting up i i love the logic there that that i think like everybody can universally accept that moving in with your parents in phoenix is Mm -hmm. a is a specific rock bottom but the rock (laughs) bottom that doesn't where it doesn't make you uh, think like, oh, fuck, we got to change everything. But instead, it's the rock bottom where you're like, we can go deeper, darker, worse than yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, we were married because we got married so he wouldn't have to go back to Sweden because he was from Sweden. Um, So, yeah, like it was just like and like he wasn't turning in any of the legal paperwork that he needed to turn in to get his green card. And like I was stripping to make money which is fine. I'm like, I think those things are not connected at all. It's just like what I was doing for work. But like the point is I was hiding it from my parents because like they would have freaked out. Very Catholic. Um, And then at one point he was just like, I'm moving to San Francisco again. 
And I didn't argue it. Like it was just understood that I wasn't going, you know, and we didn't even have like a breakup conversation until he moved. And we like got on the phone, I think two days later and we were both just like, yeah, we're broken up. Right. And I, so I spent 10 years of my life with this guy and I so did not give a fuck that we were broken up Mm -hmm. and I got really, really sick. And I was trying to, I was trying to wean myself off of opiates by like, dosing myself with suboxone uh-huh. and like not do, like I wasn't doing it right because I was like I couldn't hold down water I like my withdrawals were so bad that I was hallucinating like my mom was like we're going to the fucking hospital like or I'm calling the cops and I remember like this is why I never relapsed I think I aside from my husband not being in my life anymore because I think that was like a huge part of it Um, I remember being like in the fetal position on the floor in like the dining room at my parents' house and cold sweating and withdrawing so bad. And my sister, um, she kneeled next to me and she put her hand on me and she was like, I just want to let you know I'm pregnant. And I was like, fuck, like, yeah, her first baby, first niece or nephew or anything. And so... And we went to the hospital and I remember getting an IV and they had to, because I was so dehydrated and I had fucked up my veins so much, they had to like get someone to do an ultrasound to find a vein that they could use. And I felt like my body was inflating because I was so devoid wow. of, of liquid. And um, that's when I started doing comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, wow. Talk about, uh, rock bottoms that catapult <laughs> you lower. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, comedy was a wonderful experience and I loved doing it in Phoenix. But one of the reasons I moved to LA was because I didn't want to be in Phoenix. I was always like, I knew I didn't want that. Um, but I wanted to like do comedy out there and it is such a different fucking scene out there. And I probably could have stuck it out and find the right people, but I just felt like I was constantly being sexually harassed. Like, yeah, yeah, like it was just like, and I, and my career was growing in the tarot and psychic community. And I felt like I was finding a platform that was developing in a way that like was much more organic and healthier for me, to be honest. Uh So, I mean, I would totally do Phoenix comedy again. I've thought about doing it in Portland, but I just don't think I have the time. Um, but I mean, I think it was a good outlet for me when I was doing it in, you know, in my life, I, I pinned so much, you know, I was a big part of my experiences. I was like, uh, you know, I was the, uh, the child star, you know, I, I was, um, I peaked very early. Um, you know, so I was always, I was the young one of my group of friends and, you know, I was like always hanging with the older kids me and too. like the, skipped a grade started college when i was 15 you know the like couldn't wait i didn't to. know that you fucking smarty pants well yeah no i don't tell anybody the Aww. because then you know after i you know <laughs> then it took me seven fucking years to get my degree and then like when i you know then when i got my master's seven years after that i didn't fucking write a thing i just lived in a bar you know the so i um I had put all this pressure on myself. I think I was like, whatever, 22 or 23 when I graduated with my master's. And then I, I told myself that I had to, um, 
have a record on a major label and publish something in uh, one of the big three, you know, uh, the New Yorker, Harper's, or the Atlantic um, before I was 25. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I had to get a book deal before I was 25. And then I, and I planned on being dead by 30. And I didn't fucking hit any of those marks. And I then, mean, you could have gone for one, Mishka. Really. I know. I know <laughs> and, and then when I was 30, when I hit 30 and I was like, I haven't accomplished anything that I intended to accomplish by that with time I was 25. Then I was like, I don't know. It's like the bubble popped or um, a bad dream broke mm-hmm. and I, I could just fucking get on with the rest of my life. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, you know, the, um, I'm just going to quit writing. I'm just going to stop writing. And I did. And then, um, and then I had to get sober because I was a fucking wreck. And then I got sober and then I was like, I will, um, I will just end up being the guy who like buys and sells guitars and that's okay, you Mm -hmm. know, because I'm sober. And that's when shit started taking off with my writing, you know? And then because I was sober, I was like, well, I guess things are never going to happen for me with my music. And that's when shit started taking off for me with my music, you know? So the, those dreams sort of came roaring back to life once I, um, you know, it was like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to show my love for this plant by like hiding it away mm-hmm. in a closet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah like, totally. I'm going to fucking love it to death, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this is when I, this is like where my woo side comes out, but I just feel like when you get sober, like, your passions are somehow supported by the universe. Like somehow there's like a divine support of the creative process. And also I think that like, I don't know, just that sort of like addictive personality is really easy to apply towards writing or music or something like that. Like once you're ready to pick it up again. Yeah. There's, um, there's this thing that I like talk about all the time. You know, there's like a, a magic trick that I learned when I was a kid, which is that you you stand in a doorway and like brace your arms against the, the door and, you know, pull, you know, sort of basically push really hard for 30 seconds or a minute or mm-hmm. something. And then you step out of the doorway and relax and your arms just float up. Yeah. And it's like, and, and that, you know, that's a great analogy for what my, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was a fucking like rage and anxiety filled freak when I first got sober, but that also <laughs> describes how my life unfolded where the, it's, it's like the, you know, the remover of obstacles, you know, the, the obstacle had just been taken out of the way and then like things just happened. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. I was such a lunatic when I got sober. I like, not like, I just was like, you know what? I've been doing comedy for six months. I should go on tour. <laughs> And then I just like I I used couchsurfers.com to like find some place to stay. And people were like, aren't you afraid you're going to get raped? You're like 28 and you have big boobs. And like I was like, maybe like, but <laughs> you have to like give your ID when like because when you go on couch servers, like you have to like fill out all this information so that uh-huh. it just, like says that like you are who you are. And I was like, plus, like, I don't think anything's going to happen if I like have someone's address. At, like, you know what I mean? So yeah. like. Like I was like where other people might be afraid. I felt like I had already damaged myself so much that like I couldn't do any more damage. So like taking like going out and traveling across the country for two months by myself and staying with strangers seemed like 
a fun adventure and it fucking was. Yeah. But I think that that freedom comes with like, and I still feel this way today. Like it doesn't matter like how hard someone tries to take me down or how hard someone tries to like hurt me. I'm like, you have no idea what I've done to myself. You don't have a fucking clue. You can't hurt me. Like not that people are like at biting at the, you know, bit to get at me, but there have been a few and it's just like, no. Yeah, when I I definitely had some of that energy when I first got sober, but it was like not in a in a healthy positive way, you know, where the you know, I was like bouncing at bars in New York mm-hmm. and like working on a Friday and Saturday, like there would be you know, there would always be times where um where you had to fucking drag somebody out. Yeah. You know, the um and I got to be um I, I quickly discovered that I was like fearless when it came to that shit. Mm-hmm. The and then I found that I was starting to look forward to it. You oh know, shit, the, yeah. Um I was like at some bar where I wasn't working and I I I did I wasn't employed there. I think I was like just out with friends and there were like these two guys on the street who were like about to start fighting and I was like, yo, knock it off. And uh and then they were like they, they wouldn't stop and then they, they there was sort of like skirmishes and then I like pushed them apart and I was like yo fucking knock it off mm-hmm. and then I remember like punching both of them out and the that's not that's not cool it's not okay no that's you true know, the like and and it was one of those things where afterwards I was like man you really went into a bad situation and just fucking kicked it up to the next level you know yeah. the like the you could have just walked away you know the but I was um just had that thing of like you, you can't hurt me you know, yeah. the, um, and it's, it's, it's one of the things I keep coming back to, you know, the, you know, with the, this like two years and also an eternity of the pandemic oh my God, is I that, um, I, it, it tested me in every way. The, my sobriety was tested in every way. I did everything short of like getting drunk mm-hmm. and, came out of it like realizing that I'm both a lot stronger and a lot weaker than I thought I was. You right. know? So it's the, we were talking about toxic positivity. You know what that is, is just, it's all light, right? Yeah. There's no shadow. There's no gradation. It'll be okay. It's, It'll work out. Yeah. And it, that's not always the, um, it'll it, work out if you do the work, maybe. Right. Like the, I was, I was talking to somebody, really close to me who's uh who's struggling with depression and the and their parents like just don't get it and they're you know sort of like oh i've cured depression by yelling mm-hmm. you know the and and i told them like um it's not your fault if you're depressed you know it's like yelling at somebody because they fucking need glasses you yeah. know it's not going to correct it but though it's not your fault it is your responsibility totally if if you're terribly short-sighted you need to make sure that you have glasses and have an up up to date prescription for your glasses so you don't hurt yourself or someone else you know the um and it's not fair but life isn't fair and that's one of the things that you you know you've been blessed in so many other ways and in this way you yeah you just got to fucking deal with it you know yeah i mean i think that people who have a history of depression tend to be some of the more intelligent or emotionally intelligent people that i've met um, just because I feel like they have a broader sense of what some like what someone else might need or what compassion might look like. But it's also hard because 
it's really easy to get caught in it and you have to like like you said it's your responsibility to like find ways to lift yourself up and it's like it's such a touchy subject because there is no blanket like solution for everyone but it's even like if you know like we know scientifically that like getting exercise releases chemicals in your brain that make you feel happy and so does getting outside and getting fresh air and being in nature and so it's like okay that might not be the full like that might not be the thing that cures you instantly but it's like how do we take little steps in that direction to try and help like elevate the situation. And sometimes you have to be like, I got to go out fucking side. I don't want to, I'd have to. Thank you so much for saying that because the, um, because everybody on my, uh, my social media is either, uh, fucking exercise freak or mental, like mentally ill or both. Mm -hmm. And the, and I get fucking hammered all the time when, um, because I try and take a nuanced stance and say like, yeah, sometimes you do need medication and therapy and stuff like that. And sometimes you just need to fucking set your alarm. So you get wake up at fucking seven instead of noon, get outside, yeah. get some sunshine, drink a lot of water, eat healthy food. You know, the people are like, fuck you, man, I'm depressed. Like, I can't you can't expect me to do this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can. The um sure take meds if you have to but yeah. like try all the other things first and then also when you're taking meds also fucking yeah, exercise and eat right and drink water and you know the yeah. take we are we're all animals take care of that animal too yeah. while you're taking care of the like the human part yeah i think that just like taking care of your body and moving around plays a huge role and i don't think it's the only role like you know what? it's like hard because you want to like you want to speak from a point of like this is what's worked for me and this is what I know has worked for a lot of people when like other like maybe not everyone wants to hear that or you know maybe it won't work for them but it's like okay but I don't know it's just like such a it's like such a weird thing to try to talk about and still be respectful of the fact that like everyone has a different experience one of the things I run into a lot is, you know, people reaching out to me and they're like, you know, how do I quit drinking? And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, the answer to that question, right? Yeah. The You're asking how to like stop doing a thing. You know, it's like, well, how do I stop jumping on the trampoline? Like, well, yeah. fucking don't jump on the trampoline. You know, the, what they're really asking is, um, how do I stop getting hangovers? Mm-hmm. How do I stop getting yelled at? How do I stop getting arrested? Um, how do, or how do I stop, um, and have it not suck? And the um, having it suck is an integral part of the experience. Yeah, it already sucks. You know what I mean? Like the thing that like I have always kind of like said to myself when I know I'm at the beginning of a journey that's going to be shitty is like, okay, if I don't do this now, what is my life going to look like in a year? And if I do do this now, what is my life going to look like in a fucking year? Yeah, the... You know, people always talk about the, you know, comparison being the, the root of unhappiness. But I, I don't think that's true when when we're looking at our own lives. You know, the for me, there's always like wisdom and insight um, where the, you know, when I look back at, um, I mean, time hop on 
the Facebook thing. That's a fucking oh gulag. But mm-hmm. the um, and whoever in- invented that should fucking burn in hell. I know. But the, <laughs> it's true. It is helpful for me sometimes to to look back and be like, well, where was I? You know, at this time last year, where was I? You know, at this other time, you know, the and there is always something for me to learn there, even if it's just like. Oh man, your arms looked way better in that picture. You should do some fucking push-ups. You like right. lazy piece of shit. You know. Oh my god, the, yeah. The body is always a is always a great trigger. Oh yeah, yeah. The, um, Especially as you get older. Oh god. The I. Somebody somebody tweeted the other day, like, oh, you know, why why do people always post like selfies of the or why is everybody posting too many selfies? And so I was like, fuck you. And I just took a picture of my face and tweeted it to her. The and then I looked at the picture and I was like, Oh man, what like what the fuck? Are those actual miles? Like, you know, the and she was like she was like, you know, you look good. You know, is there a filter on you? And I was like, if, I was looking at it and I was like, man, if there's a filter on this, it's the fucking oldify filter. Like what uh. happened to me? You know, that like I, I you know, in my head I'm still fucking you know, 25. The, yeah. But, um, I mean, I think it's good though to still feel, I think as long as you can keep like your attitude youthful. Oh yeah. People I, that's will. The, that's where I'm the worst. That is absolutely where I'm the worst. The, I was talking about this with a friend today though, is that one of the best ways to bum yourself out is to say, I have a rich life. I have a beautiful life. Why am I not happier? Oh my God. Okay. Here's the thing about pulling yourself out of some shit and then building something is you will live in constant fear of it all going away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's totally true. The, I tried to, I think one of the things that's been most effective for me is just the, like the bait, the real basic, like creature comfort things of like, um, petting my cat. My cat yes. is incredibly soft. She's like oh a little God. bunny. She's and so cute. The, and she'll like lick my fingers and stuff like that. And if I get, if, if I, if we go to like some advanced cuddling, I can get her to relax enough that she'll go on her back and her legs will sort of stick up at a weird angle. Like she's a broken puppet and it's the fucking cutest thing. Aww. And you know, that is, um, I'm convinced that dog saliva is an antidepressant. Yeah. The, when my dog climbs on me in the morning and fucking shoves her tongue up my nose. I know. Like, it's hard the, to be mad at anything. She does. So the Sadie does the thing that like, you know, some dogs and cats do where well, they're, they'll like chew you for fleas. Aww. But she does it on my face because I have a little bit of facial hair. And then she started doing it on my eyebrows. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, it's a, I recommend it. It's incredible. It's like, I feel like it's like a spa service that i should be selling to people like come come get your your eyebrows puppied or whatever she, yeah fuck, well i know? mean she is really sweet because like i was really excited to see her because i left my dog in portland because i'm just in town for a little bit and i like bent down to say hi to her and she just like put her mouth on my mouth and she didn't like tongue <laughs> I'm gonna me st- i'm gonna she start just... greeting people <laughs> like that just, oh. <laughs> yeah she just and she just like left it there and then she like kept doing it and i was like i kind of like it yeah the she she does she likes to she likes to mouth things mm-hmm. so like we'll be sitting on the couch and she'll just put her mouth on my arm yeah you know not to like bite me or chew on me no tongue it's just like, like oh. on there yeah yeah she's such a it's fucking, endearing she's such a funny little dog the she drives me nuts because like the um I did six and a half seven miles with her yesterday yeah which that should like tucker her out tuckered me out right you know, the 
and we come home and then I'm like, all right, you know, now I, now I got to get to work. And she's like, what's next? Oh my God. Yeah. Cause she's got all the blood pumping. Yeah. The, yeah. And she's just, she's down for some shit. The, um, let's return to the session that we did mm-hmm. last summer. Okay. The, and I guess what it was, was it was, it was a tarot reading. It was like tarot psychic reading. Yeah. The, um, I have to tell you that, you know, we're ta- we were sort of talking about mental health and like, you know, exercise versus medication and stuff like that. Like I was, I was far enough down the well last summer that I was just, I was desperate enough to pay for a tarot session. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just, I was like throwing everything I could think of at it to, to see hi Sadie. Oh yes. my God. She knew we were just talking about her being a lunatic. Okay. Yes. All right. You're a good dog. The, um, I was at, you know, at a point where I was just like throwing everything that I could at it to see like what would stick if anything Mm -hmm. would stick. And the, that's definitely like a desperate untethered place to be, but also we were talking about the merits of staying open, you know, at that, in that moment I was open to fucking anything. Mm -hmm. The, um, and honestly like that session that we did was, uh, uh, was incredibly helpful and and remains that way and the as far as like um therapy dollars or whatever like definitely punching way above its weight you know the <laughs> like for for the the good that i got out of that um one and you know one of the things that it taught me was sort of like my um but both uh how little i know um and how much I poison everything coming into my brain because the, you know, you suggest that I do like a card a day mm-hmm. and, and I did that for a while until finally I got, and I, and you know, I was sort of like, Oh, all right, what does this mean? You know? And I would sort of like try to think about it and try to, you know, get a lesson from it. And then until finally the, the, I, I drew the strength card mm-hmm. inverted Okay. Yeah. And I was like, finally, this, <laughs> finally, this is the true one. This is the real one. Like I threw out everything positive or ambiguous that came right. from every other card that I drew. And then when I, when I got to that one, I was like, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, talk about curating your experience or, you know, yeah. the, um, talk a little bit about what you do in um, a tarot reading Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, sort of like a, you know, I don't know, a a psychic session. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you kind of like said, you know, I was like, I, I was, I was just low enough to get like a tarot reading is perfect because like, that's actually like kind of what I, what I prepare for. Cause I do deal with people who like are, and a lot of times just like at a low point in a really fragile state And so it's like, it can be kind of high pressure because I'm not a licensed therapist and I'm not trying to be a therapist, but in a lot of ways, like I provide a service that's supposed to be therapeutic. Um, And so like, that's like, that's why I'm really protective of like, you know, my industry and my like, sort of like the validity that I've built for myself, because there's a lot of people in the industry who 
are just like it's a grift like they're they're just trying to like oh you're gonna meet someone and there's it's it's not a lot of talk of like what's going on right now it's a lot of like this is what you have to look forward to and so for me like what I do is like and I've you know I got my first tarot deck when I was 10 I started practicing witchcraft when I was 12 I mean I didn't do any of that when I was a heroin addict but it's been in my life for a while you, you were focused on different rituals. I was focused on the next hit you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um and so like part of my process is you know I do what's called psychic channeling and I'll do it for like 20 20 to 30 minutes before I speak with someone. And whenever I set up a session, I have someone send me like a photo of themselves in advance and I'll take a, like a notebook and a pen and I'll look at the photo. And like, basically what I do is I get into a meditative state and I, I basically like put on someone's energy. It's almost like I try to take my consciousness and like put it in someone else's body. And so I, then I will go through, I use the chakra system um, for, you know, if you're familiar with it or if you're not familiar with it, basically it's just like, you've seen those sort of like yoga pictures where there's like rainbow balls running up a person. Yeah. I, that's always a punchline for me. Yeah. So. I mean, it should be, you know what I mean? Like I, like I'm totally fine if people need to make that their punchline. It's just a system that I use. And so like the root chakra, it's basically like your connection to reality. Whereas the sacral chakra is like your sex drive and your creativity, your solar plexus is confidence. Your heart is emotions, you know, your throat chakra is speaking for yourself. And then you're, you know, there you go through. And so what I do is I look at those and I look at like, what am I picking up from like these energy points in someone's system or aura? And then I'll like, try to tie how they connect with each other. So if I feel like, and you know, if someone's solar plexus, which again rules confidence is like, doesn't feel very strong, it feels nervous. And then my throat feels tight. When I look at their throat chakra, I'm like, oh, this person doesn't advocate for themselves. They don't speak their truth because they're worried about being judged or what other people are going to think. Um, or if I feel someone, you know, someone has a broken heart, and I get the impression that like they're not taking care of their body. I'm like, oh, maybe there was a breakup. And, you know, so I piece things together like that. And it, I've had a very high success rate of that creating a map of like where the reading goes from that point. Um, but I also try to give people like witchy tools that they can use. So if you're having confidence issues, then I would say, okay, like carry gold pyrite, you know, work with some lavender ascension, like essential oil and use these things with the intention of I'm going to boost my confidence. And I'm totally fucking fine if that's a placebo effect. I don't need that to be magic. You know what I mean? Like, I, like yeah. I, I'm not sold one way or the other, to be honest, but it works. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely have had really intense psychic experiences, magical experiences that make me a believer in things that we cannot understand. But I also try to have a scientific mind and I, and I, and I am very interested in space exploration and scientific developments and like what we can prove that we don't understand. And I know that placebos exist and I, and I look at sort of the tools that I give people as ways of hacking your own brain and like having having a pretty rock that reminds you that you need to go fucking nail that job interview or like whatever it is like if it makes you feel better and it helps you achieve goals and it, you know if looking at a bowl of rocks before you leave for the day and picking ones out based off of what you're trying to achieve that day or what energy you're trying to hold if that helps you i think that's great yeah the 
man, so much to respond to there. I mean, you know, <laughs> a lot of like what you said about the, um, um, the intention, um, and you know, is it, is it the crystal or is it the intention? Mm-hmm. Well, if it works, who fucking cares? Exactly. And, you know, some of it is sort of like, don't poke around too much. You know, if you're, if you're getting the results, the, the inverse to the, you know, the, the great, the the best line maybe the only line of wisdom that's come out of philadelphia is uh fuck around and find out yeah. and the uh, and the inverse of that is don't fuck around and don't find out yeah you know, we don't need to know everything we don't need to under the i always talk to dudes who are like um i don't understand trans and like i don't fucking understand it either you know what it's not i don't need to it's not i, I, I don't need to understand it for it to exist and for it to uh for, for trans people to deserve uh respect friendship a fucking hug a taco you know yeah a cold beverage, the freedom you know I mean? to the, just like yeah like dominate their own identity yeah, the, yeah, like I you know, look around at all the like instruments and amps and effects. I don't know how fucking any of that shit works either. I love that, you know, the um, just just accept it and, you know, accept that it's not necessarily our job in the universe to fucking understand everything. How 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 egotistical is that? You know? It's true. Well, and I think that like when we look at geniuses, like people who are very, very, very advanced in science, there is like an attitude around people who have like a spiritual disposition and so it's like all right fine like i don't know why you care if other people want to believe in shit (laughs) well i mean the if you poke deeper in into that the it's the armchair scientists who are dismissive of spirituality and woo shit and the hardcore scientists like the um, you know, Richard Feynman and, you know, Stephen Hawking and people like mm-hmm. that. Yes. Um, understand that spirituality plays a huge role. You know, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci is, you know, somebody we always look at as, you know, I mean, great scientist, great artist, mm-hmm. the, and proof that that whole left brain, right brain thing is fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Um, you can do all of those and, um, or none of them, you know, depending on, on I guess, how open or how engaged you know, you, um, you stay one, yeah. one of the things that I, I, you know, oh, I fucking hate this. I'm going to like end up defending all the woo shit, but, the, <laughs> um, you know, uh, crystals, ghosts, reincarnation, mm-hmm. stuff like that. The, as a, um, as a writer, one of the games that I, or one of the writing, the writing assignments that I saddle my students with all the time is to, um, to pick something, you know, to say, to, to pick unlikely metaphors to say yeah. um, uh, love is like a microwave because right you know the my dog is like a washing machine because so then you're you're drawing comparisons between two very un, you know um, very different things things that at first glance have nothing in common and all this fucking beauty and wisdom and insight and magic comes yes. out of those those tools, those models, those things that we haven't sort of thought about before. The, and then in math and physics and stuff like that, it, you know, what we think about as a molecule of, oh, you know, there's a, the cluster of, uh, the cluster of protons with the neutrons circling them. Yeah. That's not actually what an atom looks like. That's a model Right. That we've been taught since we were children. That's one way of understanding it. But if you look at all the measurements of what an electron weighs and what a neutron weighs and what a proton weighs, none of it is. There's not a um, 
there's not one electron size. You know, there's this sort of like here's a way of right. thinking about it or a way of yeah. visualizing it. You know, so we're all, everything we do is with imperfect, imprecise models that give us a little bit of grasp into you know um, what the thing looks like. Or that's kind of why I love like. I mean, I love writing horoscopes. It's a love-hate relationship, I think, when you do anything professionally, to be honest, especially when there's deadlines looming. Um, But, like, when I write horoscopes, it's like this... Sometimes I feel like I get into, like, a weird space where, like, I'm only living in a reality that has data and words. But it's, you know, all of the planets in astrology are, are, are archetypes. So like Mars is passion and aggression and war and Venus is love and Saturn is, you know, restriction and responsibility. And they all have these different personalities or characteristics. And like based on, you know, based on the measurements of like where each planet is placed, some of them will like talk to each other and it'll be a good conversation or it'll be a bad conversation. And so like I very much feel like I'm looking at data and then I'm like weaving a story out of like how are these people talking to each other and so like in some instances it makes my job really easy because I feel like the stars are just writing it for me um but then like there's a creative element that I feel like sometimes I'm needing to strive for more and so it's like having to find that balance the I mean stars you know it's a great um a great image or a great model because the, you know, you think about all the, um, you know, Orion, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't look like a fucking hunter. Somebody, (laughs) somebody was like, Oh, I'm going to draw a picture. We're bored. Yeah. I'm going to draw a picture of a hunter with the, what I've been provided here. Yeah. You know, the, um, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, that we talk about in, you know, I mean, when it comes to the job of a lawyer, Mm -hmm. Um, and the job of a writer, you know, if you're the, if you're, if you're a writer, um, and, um, you know, I'm writing a story and I say, oh, I, I called Renee and we talked about blah, blah, blah. The, in real life, what would happen is, um, I texted you and then I said, Hey, I'm going to call you in half an hour. And then I called and then you were driving. So you couldn't pick up and then you called me back. Mm -hmm. Right. The, but we leave, I just say I called Renee and we spoke, right. right? Because that's the, that's the smoothest way of telling that story. You cut out the noise and keep in the information. Mm-hmm. If we're in court and I say, I called Renee yes. and we spoke to you, then they'll say, well, no, you didn't. You first, you texted and then you called and then she called you back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, and then it, so to, to gloss that stuff and the, um, and tell what I think is a, is a more streamlined truth, you know, the, um, that's where your case unravels in court. But also yeah, if, very true. if the story that I'm telling is about, um, how difficult it is to get in touch with somebody these days, then it's yeah. <laughs> and the, the entire story is me texting you and then calling you and then you calling me back. Yeah. The, it's a lot to filter. It's a lot to figure out. Yeah. At a certain point, you just have to stop trying to figure it out. You just, you just, take a nap the that, that was one of the things that you know that that you said to me was um that uh it was also really helpful in uh when we were talking is is i think i was grilling you and being like do you really fucking believe in all this crystal bullshit and mm-hmm. you were like i don't know like sometimes yeah. like when i'm getting freaked out i force myself to like just 
stare at a crystal until like I feel better. Yeah. The, and, you know, the woo people would be like, um, oh, that's the power of the crystal infusing you with the you know, crystal <laughs> oxide or fucking whatever. The, and then, but, but I think a scientist would say, well, what you're doing in that moment is meditating yeah. and, and clearing your mind. And meditation is scientifically proven to like lower your heart rate and lower your respiration. Yeah. I mean, there are like, there, so like when I tell people like, you know, I tell people, hey, use an aura mist, which is basically like it's like rose water or something. You know, if I if I um, am talking to someone who has a lot of like social anxiety or they feel wound up after a lot of human interaction, I say like, hey, just like spray yourself with this aura mist like on the woo end of things, it's cleansing your aura on the other side of things. And I, I say both ways. I say you're activating your senses you're feeling the water on your skin. So you're putting yourself back in your own body and paying attention to your own emotions versus like what was happening with someone else. Your sense of smell is activated because you're smelling the rose water. And the same thing goes with crystals. If I need to stare at a crystal, it's like, it's just like the difference between being grounded and not grounded because there are times where I know I'm in my head and it's like, there's, there's a can of, you know, sparkling water on this desk. There's a keyboard. There's a bandana. If I'm thinking about other shit, I'm just going to see a desk with a bunch of shit on it. You know what I mean? And so, and like, that's when I'm in a cerebral place. And so if I feel myself getting too cerebral, I'm just like, what are the details around me right now? Because that's a really good way to just like quickly center. And I think that like, it is just as valuable to know the mechanics of your body and your brain as it is to have something that you can connect to on a spiritual level. Like I, like I don't jive with people who are too, this crystal is magic. And like, I, I have done crazy crystal meditations to where like, you know, what's, what's <laughs> the, give me the fucking hardcore woo. What's the wooest shit you've done or that you've experienced or that you believe in? The... Oh, I mean, the wooest experience that I have had, it's very paranormal. I would say it's more paranormal than woo. I mean, and I've had a few, but there was, um, I, part of my psychic awakening was like, I was finding out, I, I was finding that I was dreaming things like a week or two before it would happen. Okay. And so, and I, and I started dream journaling because I wanted to, I wanted to prove the connections that I was making to myself, you know? And so, um, I kind of discovered that about myself and I, this was when I was on my like crazy travel the world adventure that I did for like four months when I got sober, I was staying in Portland for a month with my friends to learn, uh, like basically how to like record my podcast and what, Uh what I needed to do to edit and all that. So I was staying with friends who would teach me all that. And, I was supporting myself through stripping. And so I was working at this strip club that had a really weird mystical name, but I can't remember it now. It might've even been just called like mystic. Um, But I was there one night and I was having like really bad deja vu, like really bad deja vu. And I said it twice. (laughs) (laughs) And I, there was this guy that came into the club that I thought had just like a strange energy about him. So I was like, I'm going to go talk to him. And I gave him a dance and I literally was having like picture and picture deja vu where I was like, I fucking dreamt this exact, like looking out this window. I can't remember anything else about the, the 
the dream, but I know this window is in my dream, uh-huh. you know? And so I decided to like play a game with my psyche and with my psychic abilities and paranormal, whatever shit I wanted to get into that night. And I said telepathically to this guy that I was giving a lap dance to, I was like, I think you might be an alien. Like if you can hear me wink. And this was all in my mind. I didn't say Uh a word. And he gave me a weird look and he winked at me. And I was like, that's fucking weird. Um, But that's like nothing, you know? So I I, I think the question that everybody's going to ask is, are aliens good tippers? That is part of my story. (laughs) (laughs) So we went, we finished the dance. We went out and we were just talking, like having a drink. And I got called on stage. So I went and I did my stage set. And I said to him from the stage with my mind, I'm going to go use the bathroom. If you got that, like raise your right hand. And again, he gave me this weird look and he raised his right hand and like fist pumped to the music. So like I went to the bathroom. I had a hot flash. Like it was fine. I was like, what is happening? So I went out there and I sat down and he, he said to me, you're not like other people, are you? You vibrate on a different frequency. And like, who says that to anyone ever for any reason? And I was like, okay, haha. And I'm just talking to him. I went into the dressing room because I needed a minute because I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, am I losing my mind was one of the things I was thinking. Yeah. So then I said I I had a like a monetary goal that I wanted to hit. And so I was in the dressing room by myself. And I said again with my mind to what I decided was aliens. Um because of another podcast I was listening to around this time about aliens. So um, I said like, hey, like I want to make a hundred bucks so I can buy this microphone that I need to start my podcast. And like, I want to start the podcast to just like spread laughter and spiritual information and blah, blah, blah. And I got called on the stage straight from the dressing room and I did my set and the guy tipped me a hundred bucks. This, okay. The, all right. The, um, I mean, the obvious segue is um, for me to ask everybody to sign up for my Patreon because I have been stripping to mm-hmm. pay for the microphones. Yeah, to, uh... it's like you can get your pod equipment fast, man. You just got to show some skin. <laughs> the um, and also the um, I have to give you a little bit of shit. I feel like if right. somebody is going to say you're not like other people, you vibrate at a different frequency, it would have to be a strange man saying that to a beautiful woman in a strip club <laughs> that's like the least likely place i thought i would hear that that because I, I i feel like that's um i don't know the i'm I'm definitely like i'm certainly going to use that as a fucking pickup line at some point the, oh god just make sure she has like tattoos and a crystal necklace like maybe dreadlocks like these are just like these are these are the things you want to look for if you're looking for someone that line will work on <laughs> If she looks like a witch, go say that to her. You'll you'll get laid. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I I feel like I'm such a fucking uh, head case from uh, the the last two years that that the thought of ever like I just got a weird fucking like oh the thought of ever trying to talk to a woman to try to pick her up. Oh my god! The, I feel like women probably throw themselves at you. The and that's the end of our podcast. No, the um, <laughs> the. One of the things that I, I hung out with a friend at Mel's Diner down the road today, and we were um, just talking about the, I don't know how this fucking, uh, 
these last two years, how this crazy shit that we've all been through uh, together, separately, alone, as a, as a as a country, as a community, as a world, the um, that's fucking wrecked all of us in yeah. ways that we don't yet fully understand, and ways that uh, haven't yet completely sort of exposed themselves to us. The um, what are what have you what have you seen? What have you felt? What have you noticed? How do we take care of ourselves coming out of this? I mean, it's hard because I feel like when the shutdown started happening, there like people immediately started putting pressure on themselves to like use the time to better themselves or create their next great piece of art or write a book. And like so like I feel like people were getting really excited about what they could do with this time without taking into account the fact that like it's going to be super isolating and depressing and you're not going to want to do shit. And now I think coming out of it, there's like this residual guilt where people are like, I didn't do anything with my pandemic. And on top of that, there's like, I feel like there is like social anxiety has become elevated. Yeah. The, I mean, virtually everybody I know has Sadie. Get down! What are you doing? You she's dog. being a good girl. <laughs> the virtually everybody I know has like social anxiety of uh, of some kind or every kind, and the and then I think some people have just turned into like outright agoraphobes. Yeah. The you know that, um, you know in the last recession, you know, they talked about a lot of people who were sort of at the end of their working lives, and then with the you know the recession and the economy, like. When they say the economy shed these jobs as if that wasn't like de- fucking destroying people's lives. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, but the, so many people with, you know, with that recession, they were like, well, fuck, I guess I'll just retire. Yeah. You know, the, and in some ways, the, I feel like the, you know, I feel like COVID retired me from touring, um, retired me from playing music, and the, and a lot of ways like retired me from participating in culture or community or the um like this feels so fucking weird to me that we're actually doing this podcast yeah. <laughs> we're doing a zoom in person we're right? doing an in-person the, zoom yeah and it's <laughs> and it's so we're just like two people hanging out in a room with a dog and a cat and the, and talking about shit and the and it feels uh utterly foreign that i'm not just yelling at my computer and like the um you know that that's become it's one of those distress you know where there's all the stories of like a kid walking over to a a photograph in a painting or in a picture a picture in a frame and going to swipe it yes i've done that (sighs) i've like i've like i've like tried to zoom in like or like just like went to zoom in on like a newspaper and i'm like wait that's not how things work yeah that like our brains are sort of um rewriting themselves or Mm -hmm. trying you know trying to figure out trying to come up with new tools um because this is fucking uncharted territory for us you know the um i think a lot of us um imagine ourselves to be uh you know loners or part of a subculture or outsiders or whatever and then the um the shutdown has shown us like, Oh no, I'm, I'm deeply invested in other human beings. Like the, mm-hmm. I, you know, I miss that so much, you know, the, I, I didn't, I never realized what a huggy guy I am until 
like I couldn't hug anybody, hug my sister, hug my mom. Yeah. The, dude, fucking, I, I talked to uh, Dante Powell uh, yesterday and we were, we spoke at length about the pleasures of hugging Kyle Pogue because he's like such, he's like, you know, one of those big dogs that you can like pat them as hard as you want. Yes. They, it's just, they're like, oh, thump, thump, thump. I love it. You know, and like <laughs> Pogue's a big huggable dude and you can just wrap your arms around him and fucking hang on as long as you want. And yeah, just, you know, it's like the, a bear. Yeah. The, um, and like the, <laughs> I had no idea until, you know, until the last like couple of years, like the, um, how much I enjoy, I, how much I miss and enjoy hugging large men, <laughs> just the, you know, to like really fucking get in there. Aww. The, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a fucking pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because it's so, like, there's just, we don't know what's going to happen because now the UK is all fucked up and other countries are like, yeah. oh, there's another wave. And yeah. it's so, <sighs> It's just, I think that the one good thing that came out of it is I think people learned that they could be alone and rely on themselves, but like with, like within reason, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard because some people really enjoyed being shut down and some people didn't, but I feel like a common thread is that like, we're all just trying to figure out how to come out of it. And I agree with you about the, like not participating in culture. Cause I mean, I kind of had said, to, you know, said to you that like one of the reasons why I stopped doing comedy was cause I didn't like the LA scene and like, it was fucking bad, but then it was like, I was getting fed up with it. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, I'm not going to a fucking virtual open mic. Yeah, like, you know, I, like yeah, I'm not it. doing a virtual show. Like, no. And it just kind of was something that I let go of, which like, if it's easy to let go of an art form, it's probably like, you know, yeah. The, that was one of the things I found too with, um, you know, with, Oh God, this is such a horrible thing to cop to. The, I remember seeing Christine Levine perform at uh, Altercation, and she was fucking destroying. And she was, you know, she was talking about her rheumatoid arthritis, which plagues her every single day. You know, I mean, you know, the poor woman like lives in pain. But she was up there killing, and I had a thought that I hate, which is, um, man, I I wish I was fat and sick and then people would laugh more at my stuff yeah it's just such a fucking horrible and immediately i was like you fucking asshole like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, and also like christine's my friend i fucking love her and she was and i should have been like feeling so much happiness for her that she was like having this moment of grace you yeah. know the, where she wasn't thinking about pain you yeah know? and the and instead my dumb insect mind was like whoa Give me that. Yeah, know? but then you caught yourself and you like rerouted like where you were directing your focus. So I think yeah. that like you kind of have to give yourself credit for that instead of going because like the thing is like I have shitty thoughts sometimes and then I just kind of will say to myself, well, is that really worth investing emotion into? And it like my thing is like if if. I'm having a visceral reaction to something that like isn't actually like shouldn't actually be a priority to like invest my emotions or thoughts into. I just kind of like I say like I accept and release it. And like I'm like, why do I like I don't need to. It's fine if I thought that instinct like in a moment. It's OK if like this moment like this intrusive thought like negative thought came into my head. But then it's like, OK, well, no, that's not 
it's not where I'm going to be taking this psyche today. So I'm, I've been working a lot lately with Sadie to try and get her to not jump up. And the other day, uh, my buddy Rad came over and I'm she, like, you're doing a good job. The, <laughs> the, yeah, the it's, it's tough. Yeah, the, I know. She's uh, a little Well, crazy. the worst thing is all my friends are fucking dog people too. So they're like, no, well, no, I'll kiss yeah, her. Yeah, no, yeah. I was like, I was instigating. I was like, yeah, like I miss the, my dog. Come give me that. The, that um, love. but Rad came over and Sadie like sort of, cocked herself to to launch herself up to jump and then she like looked at me and then uh, she like corrected and I was so so much happier with her so so much prouder of her in that moment for a, being about to do the thing and then being like oh wait no I'm not yes. you know, the, um than if she had just not yep. done it you know because it, she it showed that she was like thinking, thinking about yeah, it yes the so um, you just gotta love yourself as much as you love Sadie get out of here <laughs> never happen the um what do you have coming up this year what are you looking forward to i mean i have you just I, moved to portland i just moved to portland so i mean i'm looking forward to just like feeling settled because there's yeah. like a lot of cosmetic renovations that are happening um but i i'm currently writing six different columns a month so i feel like i'm just this and this is like it's crazy because like half of those jobs came in like the same month that I was moving. And so I just feel like I've been chasing like just chasing deadlines and trying to stay yeah. on top of like what I need to do in my home life. So like what I'm looking forward to this year is just like kind of mellowing out. But like I'm excited to see like where this career growth is going to go. And like I am working on a really cool project that like I can talk to you about like off, you know, right. I can't talk, I can't, you know, but, um, where, where can people find your writing? So I write the daily horoscopes on astrology.com, which is like pretty much the first thing that will pop up if you go on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I write for horoscopes.com paranormality magazine is one of my favorite projects that I'm working on because it's a monthly horoscope, but it's basically like, how the cosmos are affecting your intuition or your ability to like have a successful ghost hunt or like have an alien encounter. Cause it's just, it's paranormality magazine. Like I can, I can kind of like have fun with it. And then Shondaland, did I say Shondaland? Uh, no. Sh okay. Uh, so Shondaland.com, which is like Shonda Rhimes who does yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So I write for her website, monthly horoscopes. And then I usually do one, like one to three one-offs. So I just did one on the spring equinox, which is, on I want to say Sunday and then um I'm just kind of I'm always just putting out the witchy the witchy yeah. content and then I have my podcast which I'll be starting up again soon the glitter cast the um can I pay you to do my natal chart mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a service you provide it is a service uh, I provide Sadie, it is. get down what are you she's oh. just she just yeah. wants to like she wants some airtime she's, she's, <laughs> she really, she's loving you i will say that like my instagram is the best way to like i am always posting my um my work on there and with links and stuff which is at rainbow glitter star which is also rainbowglitterstar.com is my website okay the great um do you uh do you have a patreon or anything like that how do people i mean i feel like you're i i feel like i got a lot out of you on this podcast mm -hmm. i feel like you're giving us a lot how do um how do people support you 
honestly, through getting readings or even just like even just reading my horoscopes, because then it shows the people that I'm working for that like my content is popular. Uh-huh. Um, following me on Instagram, like, it, you know, you know, this as someone who is an artist who works for themselves so much of your success rate is contingent on even just building a brand and having yeah. people watch. like, I, like I don't love that I'm on Instagram all the time, but I also yeah. understand so, that like, if I want to get clients, if I want people to understand that like I'm offering services, uh, they need to know who I am or how to find me. And so that's kind of the best thing to do. I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. Um, yeah, the only way I'm making money off people directly is through readings. Everybody go get a fucking reading. The, um, you know, I, I said it before and I'll say it again, that that was like, you know, the pound for pound, the, that was one of the things that I did last year that like, um, did so much to help me then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, still, um, you know, I think about some of the shit that we talked about and I, you know, I kept notes and stuff like that. The it's still like I puzzle over how helpful it was and how much of the, you know, how much of that session was, um, really just sort of like fucking nitty gritty, Mm -hmm. like how to live your life, how to survive, how to take care of yourself. Yeah. The, um, you know, um, definitely like the, the witchy angle on some of the stuff, but, but then when I was sort of like, no, I need to figure out what this is, you know, that there, there is just sort of like, um, it's just fucking wisdom. Right. The, the um that's about I think that's about it. The I lost track of how long we went, but I the um I'm gonna plug all my stuff. Um uh if you're listening, you probably know who I am and what I do, but uh I have a new book that just came out, uh The Long Run and Other Stories, I think is the title. Yeah. It's my fucking book. Oh, I'm he- I'm actually the- also here to collect my copy. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the um and uh I'm selling that uh through my website, Mishkashabali.com. The you can Venmo me, you can just message me, you can send me PayPal fucking cash app uh anything the um i have a patreon please sign up for the, for the patreon um so that i don't have to strip to buy podcasting equipment but he also is open to it if you make him a good offer the i i feel like the i feel like the best takeaway from this podcast is um if you want to meet aliens uh go to more strip clubs yeah, or just if you, if someone walks in the room and they got a crazy vibe about them, try talking to them with your mind. See what happens. Um, wait, did you do the lap tan- the lap dance first before talking to him? With I your was mind? talking to him with my mind during the lap dance. Okay, so I think what we're distilling here is if you meet somebody who has an interesting vibe, give them a lap dance and and talk to them with your mind. Yes. The, and if that person is you, it just happens to work out. Yeah, that, that's sage advice right there. Um, Renee, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him.